When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Another edition of MTAS Radio, where our purpose is to encourage members of the African American community to think about our roles and responsibilities to ourselves, families, and community. We believe that choices that are made are a direct result of information. That's why we want to continue to empower you with information and conversations like the one. You'll hear today that will make you think and ultimately lead to actions where actions are so desperately needed. I want to invite you right now to like us on Facebook. That's Mighty Identity Sword. Also, you can join us online by going to www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. That's how you can visit us online. Folks, and while you're out there, be Sure to go to the radio tab. Over 100 hours of thought-provoking conversations, information you can use, conversations that will cause you to ponder, that will cause you to think, and make sure that you're socially aware and aware of all the things that's taking place in our world, in our community, and in our society in general. Folks, to get your thoughts, views, and opinions heard each and every Sunday, 5.30 Central Time, do not hesitate to give us a call at 718-508-9533. That's 718-508-9533. That is the number to get your thoughts, views, and opinions heard each and every Sunday at 5.30. Folks, I'll be remiss if I did not encourage you to visit the resellers resource tab while you're out there on our website. Folks, keep in mind that over 30 million Americans are currently at risk of losing their life insurance protection. If that's your situation, do not hesitate to give us a call at my office so that we can review that most important concern. Folks, that's right. Over 30 million Americans are currently at risk of losing their protection because most of us only have protection 
through our employer, 773-881-9555. That's the number to reach me at my office. One of um, the licensed representatives could speak with you and your family about what you have, making sure that you have what you um, what you think you have, and what will protect your family in the long run. Again, that number is 773-881-9555 for all of your insurance needs, questions, and concerns. Folks, keep in mind this hour is being brought to you by John Green and American Family Insurance. Always a pleasure to come to you each and every Sunday, 5 30 here broadcasting live from the city of Chicago. Great city. Um, in fact, it's, um, I haven't been outside much today. Um, looks like it's a little cloudy, but um, you know Chicago and you know why we call it the Windy City. So there you have it, folks. Um, last week, if you did not join the conversation, we had a very interesting conversation surrounding whether or not the N-word should be retired. You know the N-word that I'm talking about. Many of us, we use it casually among friends, families, uh, family, and sometimes most of us at this particular point, it's, it's, it's anything goes, right? Uh, I believe one caller called in um, last week. He said that um, on the popular series Umpire, there's a discussion taking place with Terrence Howard as to he he feels as though the show would be a little bit more authentic if, in fact, he's allowed to use the N-word. He said, hey, this is how we talk, folks. Like, let's be real. It doesn't necessarily have the same social connotation that it did 50, 60 years ago. So let's be real. Let's be honest. This is what black people say. This is what we do. And not only is this what black people are saying among ourselves, we're standing around other people and things of that sort. You hear it in the music. So it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. But, folks, that was last week's conversation, and we're going to keep the conversation moving. But if you did, did miss that conversation, you certainly missed a, um, a very interesting conversation. And, as always, we have opinions and views on um, on a number of sides side there. So if, in fact, um, you want to go back and listen to that conversation, you can visit us again on our website. That's www.m-tas.org. Um, if you go to the radio tab, look specifically for that particular conversation, and you'll find it. And uh, maybe you can um, join the conversation online. We're always, we can um, revisit conversation, keep the conversation going, and uh, things of that sort. Folks, again, 718 Five zero eight nine five three three. That is the number to call today if you want to have your voice and your ideas added to the discussion. Um, just press one, and we'll certainly get you in, folks. What are we talking about today, folks? We're talking today about the majority of um, million-dollar lottery ticket winners, right? That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how um, many times um, the majority of million-dollar lottery winners, how do they go broke? What could possibly go wrong? That's the question that's on the table today um, here on MTAS Radio, folks. That's the question that's on the table today. How many million-dollar lottery winners go broke? What could possibly go wrong? That is what we're um, talking about, and that's what we're discussing today, folks. We we want to find out uh, from you um, what are your thoughts about that, right? Um, someone coming to uh, instant windfall of cash, um, certainly something that uh, many of us, we work for on a consistent basis. We um, sometimes travel to 
the globe in pursuit of it, uh, chasing a dream, right, um, looking for more money so that we can perhaps um, pay off a mortgage, pay off college debt or fund our children's college education and things of that sort. So we certainly know that money is a, is a critical aspect to our existence, something that many of us are is constantly in pursuit of and at the forefront of many of our thinking. So what happens to the individual that gets that lucky opportunity to come into millions of dollars instantaneously, but a few short years later, they go broke? So the question that's on the table Million, many million dollar lottery winners go broke. What could possibly go wrong? I want to get your thoughts, views, and opinions on that particular question, right? Some said up to 70% of lottery winners go broke. So we're talking potentially seven out of 10 individuals who have the good fortune, in my estimation, of winning a lottery. How do you go broke uh, so quickly? How do you go broke? So suddenly, right, we often hear this whole notion, this idea about delayed gratification, right, the importance of delayed gratification and those who are not successful in life, they're always looking for a quick fix, a shortcut, things of that nature, so they don't necessarily possess um, the um, the spirit of delayed gratification. But how often do we talk about instant gratification because that's literally what happened when one hits the lottery right um you go from i mean you go from rags to riches so to speak um and sometimes that's not the case sometimes you have individuals maybe they are um they're used to handling money they're they're um, employed and things of that nature but they're not used to having anything close to two million dollars three million dollars or ten million dollars at one fell swoop, right? Um, I tell you this, prior to me getting getting involved in the insurance business, uh, part of part of the training, the part of the instruction, if you will, is you come into this idea that most of us over our working lives will certainly have earned anywhere from a million plus in terms of revenues that we've generated over maybe a 30-year or 40-year working uh, working history. But even when you try that off a size, many people still struggle financially, although if you look t- talk about a 25- or 30-year working career, um, certainly many of us, just the average American, American will definitely have earned over a million dollars. So when you talk about a household of two, maybe a husband and wife, I mean, those numbers could really shoot up. But what happens to the individual that comes into this particular, um, this type of windfall of cash, this type of force? fortune instantaneously. So, folks, that's what we're talking about today on MTAS Radio. But I want to share with you a couple of ideas here. I read from an article, and I will post this to my Facebook page um, as well as the MTAS page, called The Decadent Veil, Black America's Wealth Illusion. The Decadent, the Decadent Veil, Black America's Wealth Illusion. This article was um, written in the Huffington Post um, um, com. that's where you can find it, but I'll definitely post it on my website so that you guys won't have to search for it. But it, it gives some interesting statistics here. I'll, I'll just share this with you folks before I come to the phone lines. It says here, uh, Federal Federal Reserve numbers show that the medium net worth asset net worth, those of you who are not familiar with the term net worth, is assets less debt, right? Assets less liabilities, as some would say, or less debt. Uh, for white households in the top 1% is about $8.3 million. There you go, folks. So the net worth 
for white households in the top 1% is $8.3 million, while the median net worth for all white households is $112,000. So let's just let's just slow down there for a moment, folks. What, is, what am I saying? What does that mean? Right? So when you hear folks talk about the top 1% um, in terms of earners here in America, what are they talking about? Who are they talking about, first of all, and what are they talking about? So, and how do we quantify that? We're talking numbers. We're talking about wealth. We uh, and things of that nature, right? So we're looking here that it says that the top 1% of white households earn $8.3 million, and the median, right, the median um, net worth for all white households is $112,000. So keep that in mind. So that is the exact midpoint of America's 90 million white families. That is the exact midpoint of America's 90 million white families, where half or 45 million families have more and the other half possess less. That's a stack that makes for a staggering 74 times less wealth for the average white household. So we're talking the average white household net, um, net worth $112,000 and the one percenters $8.3 million. So that's what's taking place financially speaking, economically speaking, in um uh, in white America, if you will. So what what's what's taking place in Black America? What's taking place in Black America? Try this on for size, folks. You you go with that same idea. Uh, we're talking 14 million Black families. Of the 14 million Black families, um, those that's in the top one percent. Those are in the top one percent. I'm trying to find the numbers here, guys. I'm sorting through this particular um, article. Uh, I actually lost the number. Okay, here we go. Here, the top one percent of Black Americans. The top one percent of Black Americans. We're talking 1.2 million. 1.2 million versus 8.3 million among white Americans. So the top 1% in Black America, um, in terms of those families, earn 1.2 have 1.2 million in terms of net worth. That's 200 times more the average more um, more than the average net worth of the average black family, which is that of $6,000. So we're talking the top 1% in black America, right, among black families in America, um, having a net worth of $1.2 million, and the average black family only having net worth being that of six thousand dollars. So who do we who do we talk who do we talk about when we talk about the one um the one percent in black America? We're talking about uh, you know many of your celebrities, right? Your Oprah Winfrey's of the world. I think Oprah's a billionaire though, so maybe she uh she's not someone who we should um just think about from the she's certainly somewhat in the position in the class all not all by herself, but I think you folks get the point. But you're talking Oprah, you talk about Mike who's also joined the billionaire club as well as I as as I I've, I've learned recently um uh, some of your some of your athletes some of your um your celebrities folks who you see on television things of that nature so uh, oftentimes we think that that is the case across the board but certainly um that is not the case right we're talking um 
we're talking of the 1% of the 14 million, think about this, folks, of the 14 million black households, the top 1% only represents 16,400 black households, according to this particular article. So what does that have to do with today's conversation? Let's think about it, folks. When we talk about folks coming to a windfall of cash, right, and not necessarily having had the opportunity to experience wealth, uh, to handle wealth, know what it's like to be in possession of that kind of money, what happens if you instantaneously come into um, $10 million, right? Um, What do you do? What do you do? Do you quit your job? Do you not tell anyone and things of that nature? What would you do? What would you do if that was your situation? Would you know how to handle that? Here's what here's what um, inspired this particular conversation. I believe it was Stephanie shared with me on my Facebook. Those of you who listen to the MTAS broadcast certainly hear Stephanie's voice quite often. Um, she shared with me on uh, on my Facebook piece uh, this article that talked about um, this young lady. It was a blog piece. I'll share this again if you guys missed this. It says, Lotto, Lotto winner blows through $10.5 million. Now she rides the bus to work, right? First time when I, when I first saw this, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. How does that happen? How does that happen, right? You're thinking like, wow, you know, would I have done something like that? Or what, man, what what was she thinking? What was she thinking? You blow through $10.5 million and now you're riding the bus to work? How could anything like that occur, right? And you begin to go through this whole mental process as to could that be your predicament? Would you have ever done something like that? And um, oftentimes we see individuals like that and we look upon them in judgment. But could we really judge judge it from that standpoint? Is it just a matter of education? Because although um, the average individual probably um, will not or have not ever had this type of money in um, their hands at one period of time, but what happens? It, but how do you manage, or how do we manage fifty thousand, or a hundred thousand, or a quarter of a million dollars? Right? It's some of the same thinking, the same energy, the same mentality that we have uh, that this young lady have. But she just had more room to play, or a budget, or bigger budget to blow, if you will. So there you have it. That's what we're talking about. That's enough of me talking, folks. 718-508-9533. 718-508-9533. We're talking many million, uh, many million dollar lottery winners go broke. What could possibly go wrong? Also, I'm coming to the phone lines right now. 312, I believe that's Stephanie joining the conversation. Uh, Stephanie, is that you joining the conversation? This is she. How you doing? How you doing this Sunday evening? I'm well. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll be doing uh, extremely well if you if you're like this young lady who um, quickly came into um, a windfall of um, 10.5 million dollars. Um, uh, what would that do for you? <laughs> Quite a bit, but, you know, you have to take situations and learn from them so that we, you have to learn from others that you so, don't, so you do not make the same mistake. 
Okay, okay. You said learn from others so that we won't necessarily make the same mistake. All right, so let's let's think about that for a second. So uh, certainly on the surface, we look at this as being a, a negative or a bad thing. Uh, what do you what do you think we can gather from a story like this? And um, what do you think? Uh, what makes us any different? What makes us any different? When you first saw this, right? Did you think like, how does he do this, or um, do you think probably probably um, the average person who's similar to her would probably do the same thing, the average person probably being people like you and I, because I think sometimes we stand in judgment when we hear stories like this, but it's like, have you ever possessed uh, $5 million at one point, in, uh, at any point in your time, and what do you do and how would you handle it if this was your experience? Well, just as you said, you learn from others, and so you don't make the same mistake. Yes, we are all subject to making those mistakes, especially when you have a windfall. When you're dealing with something most people have never had and never experienced and never, because if you look at the number of things that she purchased, she made the same mistakes that most of us do when we even get our tax and refund check, you know, just all of a sudden just blow it on the nonsense. All of a sudden you, you have come in with some type of money. So we come to Sorry about that. We come to some situations and some ideas of believing that, oh, I wouldn't make that mistake. I'll get an investor. I'll get an accountant. I'll do this. I'll do that. We don't know what we would do. We get a large sum of money, a couple thousand dollars, and we actually go and we blow it. And within three months, the money's gone and we're back to square one waiting for January to come back around again. So it's no different. The only difference is is that her income check, income check was refund in this case was over $10 million. So it's just all about just understanding that we all are subject of making, of doing certain decisions like buying things that we don't need, not positioning ourselves in position um, of being able to handle this, and also having it for it to make money for um, the money to continue to make money for us. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I was just reading a little um, some of the details of this particular account of this young lady. It doesn't necessarily um, indicate in this particular article, and maybe I'll do a little research as to um, um, how old she was at the time of her winnings and. And you know, was she was she in her early twenties? Was she in her early thirties? Because I think I think I think age and experience has a lot to do with how we think and how we um, go about handling different things in life and things of that nature. Uh, I'm reading here that it says here, and, I, uh, and maybe you can recall. I think she I think she gave her she gave her parents here. It says here she gave her parents a million dollars in cash, and she divided. One point seven five million among her siblings, so she was being a little generous there, and it looks like it says she's all she also um she married her her boyfriend at the time right i'm I'm pretty sure if I was engaged to her if I was a boyfriend, I would have married her upon ten million as well smart move right <laughs> but um she um uh, she bought a house for roughly about a half a million dollars. So that wasn't, I mean, you have $10 million, a half a million dollar home, not really okay. saying a whole lot, right? You got average, you have an average working family. I'm sorry, your phone breaking up there. I said half a, million, uh, a half a million is not bad, so she didn't really splurge too much on the home. Yeah, it didn't really spur too much on a home. I mean, you have average working uh, folks who live in uh, half a million dollar homes, a million, you know, million dollar homes. That's not really doing a whole lot there, right? Um, um, and particularly when you're talking about two um, 
uh, two parent household or two um, two working individuals, I should say. But it, it also says here that she um, she you know she did the car thing roughly. Uh, she spent roughly about two hundred thousand dollars on this elaborate um, sound system in this in this Cadillac truck. <laughs> That's a bit much. That's a bit much. It's like uh, okay, this half a million dollar house that you own, um, a two hundred thousand dollar sound system. Uh, I don't think your neighbors are going to be very happy about something like that. And then the rest, I think she kind of just blew through um, and things of that nature. Uh, but it also said that she at least uh, attempted to put up some money for her children. But $10 million and you're riding the bus at at this particular time. But what, 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 are you, what are your thoughts about that in terms of how she was able to take care of her family and things of that nature? That's, that's, that's kind of normal, wouldn't you say? It's normal. I think that what I think what happens with us is that we want everybody to be just as comfortable as we are. So okay. we feel that we, of course, take care of mom and dad because I'm a big advocate of making sure that you take care of those who've given up everything to take care of you. Um, and that the the, the, the the it's it's nothing but a pleasure to be able to give back to them. So I don't really discount her doing that for her parents because it was ten million a million dollars of that. It wasn't that she was going in the poorhouse by doing that. So of course, definitely. But I think when it comes to the idea of the mentality, and I think it goes back to what I used to say the hood rich mentality. This whole idea of always having to look a certain way and the things that we purchase without establishing any type of way of this money making it a residual income and having it come back to us. And I think that's what happened. In our minds, we get a lump sum of money, and we we see it. Like I think in the article, she said she looked at her bank account and she see all these zeros, and she never thought those zeros would actually dwindle down from six zeros or whatever how many zeros to one zero. So it didn't. It it doesn't dawn on you, and it dawned on her that eventually the money begins to. Say, and then I'm told that her husband at the time, a boyfriend's wife's husband, had ended up going to jail. So I can just imagine a lot of that money was going to court cases, attorneys, legal fees, and so eventually, when you're talking about zeros not going, you know, you see nothing but zeros. But if you have to write checks with lots of zeros, eventually those zeros will dwindle. So oh, absolutely. So I heard he had two cents, so I can tell a lot, probably a large portion of that money did probably go to that, and eventually that money began to slowly, because I found no correct, if I'm not, if you can tell me if I'm right or not, when you're dealing with individuals who are dealing with criminal activity, those those things are not something that is a short, very, it's a lengthy process. So you're talking about maybe two to three years of probably just processing and court cases and, and you know, going through that and fees and all types of stuff. Well, so that's you, a good point. I didn't even think about that. No, nah, no, nah, I think you make a great point. I didn't even, I didn't even consider that. I did read that in an article about her husband having um, uh, had the prison um, experience roughly about two times on this whole ordeal, mm-hmm. and that, that's a great point in terms of um, it's not cheap when we have family members who have that experience. I mean, when you're talking about collect calls, when you're talking about making sure that they're, uh, they're safety while they're in there, that they have money and things of that nature, uh, just lawyer fees. I think that's the bigger point, right? Lawyer fees trying to make sure someone maintain their freedom. Yeah, you have to account for that. Yeah, you certainly have to account for things of that nature. And certainly if you uh, 
the visit attorney and now there and uh they they have the uh, they have the idea that now you're in possession of ten million dollars uh certainly my services is probably not going to be cheap at that particular point seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three folks we're talking many million dollar lottery winners go broke what could possibly go wrong wrong some even say as many as seventy percent of those who are uh, million-dollar lottery winners eventually go broke. So, folks, we're having that discussion as to what could possibly go wrong. Stephanie, I'm listening to you, and I think you have some. Um, um, you're making some phenomenal points. I saw an article earlier today uh, that made me uh, that made me think as well, and it says here twelve things not to do. If you win the lottery, it says twelve things not to do if you uh, were to win a lottery. And the, the funny thing is that, um, yeah, when I was reading this particular article, it said that uh, there's this notion that you only should have to get rich once, right? You only should have to get rich once. So it's this whole idea that you know, once you uh, once you're rich, you shouldn't necessarily um, you shouldn't necessarily go broke or or, or or things of that nature. I mean, you have you have a you have a once in a lifetime chance, once in a lifetime experience. How do you lose it all? But you know, you said something that had me um, that brought something to mind earlier in terms of you said she was looking at all the zeros and she never thought that it would go away. But that's the, but let's bring that back home. Oftentimes we're the same way in a sense that you know we're in our thirties or in our forties or whatever. Some might be listening there in their twenties. You. Never consider retirement as if you're going to be as if you have the energy and the mindset to work forever, right? It's this whole notion of um, are you thinking about the future? Are you planning for the future and things of that nature, right? As you begin to spin, 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 did you ever think that you know what? Um, after it's gone, it's gone. You know the same notion that we about health, right? Um, you know. I mean, after your body has um, after your body has been abused, you don't get a new body. So it, it, it's all about a thought process, a mentality, uh, planning, preparation, and things of that nature. But getting back to this particular article about twelve things not to do when you uh, when you win a lottery, um, and, and think about this, Stephanie, about some of the things that she did and some of the things that this particular article suggests. It mentioned the movie Brewster's Million. Do you remember that movie? I do. Yeah, it was a instant movie, right? Back, uh, I know we were children at the time. But it was a great movie. In fact, after I read, I said, "Man, I want to go back and uh, check out that movie." Uh, I think that was Richard Pryor. Was that Richard Pryor who played in that movie? It was. Richard Pryor, right, right, right. So he, he had a rich uncle, or whatever, and I, and I think the whole notion was that um, you know you spend thirty million dollars in thirty days, and you're gonna you're gonna inherit a million dollars, a uh, hundred million dollars, whatever. I think that was the whole that was the whole piece. Now th- this particular article it points out to the fact that at that particular time, uh, spending thirty million dollars in thirty days was a was a was a major feat. We're talking the 80s, right? We're talking the 80s. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about, uh, you know, we're not, you know, the point is different economic times, and that was a real challenge to to blow through $30 million in 30 days. But this article points out in 2015, that's just not the case. It's 
not the mm-hmm. case. It's easy to do it today versus then when this particular movie took place. And I, I thought that to be interesting, uh, how different times uh, changes the whole social and economic condition and things of that nature. But so those of you who, ha- who haven't seen that movie, interesting movie, check it out. But here's the 12 points that he makes. Um, don't forget to sign a ticket or report it to the state. After I read that, I thought about it. Man, you know, sometimes I, I play, right? I think that my luck is is gonna change. So he said it's something, you know. Never forget to sign it. Never forget to sign it because sometimes you could lose or it could be stolen from you and things of that nature. And that's your claim. That's your claim on your winning. So sign your tickets. And you heard it first here, right? But I heard it from this particular writer. There you go. He said, "Don't forget to sign the ticket and don't tell everyone you know." Don't tell everyone you know. (laughs) Automatically decide to take, and don't automatically decide to take the upfront cash. I think that was. I think that's huge. I think that's huge. If you're used to earning anywhere from fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year, and that's what you're used to managing, and that's what you're used to, your lifestyle is consumed based upon just that. Now all of a sudden you get ten million dollars. That's going to be a bit of a challenge, right? So I get this point in terms of, you know, maybe you need to think about whether or not you should take all of the cash up front, right? So that's the point that he made. I think that's his third point. Think that you are, don't think that you are the smartest person to manage your money and finances. That's a, that's another interesting point, right? You you teach English for a living, or you whatever you teach music for a living, or John you sell insurance for a living, right? That's a part of financial services. But I'm not involved in the I'm not involved in the stock market per se, right? So don't think you're the smartest person to manage your money and finances. Let your debts remain in place. Don't let, he's saying, the point here, don't let your debts remain in place. She purchased a half a million dollar home. Um, $10 million, you purchased a half a million dollar home. So the notion of what I'm thinking is that she still carried a mortgage because she lost the home. Now she's back riding the, the riding the bus. So don't let your debts remain in place. Cancel the debt is some part of what this guy is saying. Now I'm not a financial, um, uh, uh, but I, I would say certain, something like that. You probably want to talk with your accountant, talk with your attorneys and things of that nature, just to see if something like that would make sense. Because there might be some tax liabilities and things of that nature. But the, the but the idea. Think about the idea so that you can at least raise the appropriate question to the appropriate people. He said, don't become the generous, high-roller living life, right? To you, I mean, you know, you, you're used to a certain lifestyle. Now all of a sudden you want to become, now, I don't know, you, you want to throw everybody a party. You want to buy everyone a house, right? You don't become the generous high roller. But he, he said that's not to say that you be stingy or you, you don't be considerate of those who are in need or different causes you may want to support. But you can't save the world. And, and, and that's probably, um, this was probably part of the challenge that this young lady had. Don't buy everything for everyone and even yourself. What's, here's, the, here's the thing I want to bring you back in on the conversation, folks. If you want to weigh in, 718-508-9533. Very important conversation here. Very great idea. Some great ideas. Some great um, information is being shared here. Um, say to hell with a budget. Don't say to hell with a budget. So if you need a budget, if you're earning 
$70,000 a year, don't throw the budget out the window because now you come into millions of dollars, and I think that's huge. What, what, what's your take on that, Stephanie? I agree 100%. You have to – one thing I noticed, one thing, you can't – just think about it like this. You're 320 pounds. You mm-hmm. mysteriously lose 300 – I'm sorry, you lose about 150 of, that, of those pounds. You don't discard your eating habits and your exercise regimen based off the fact that you've lost that much weight. You have to continue to live that lifestyle. So you have to condition yourself in order to maintain what you have because you're not used to being that small. So the same thing goes for you having money. I believe that you still have to get to a point you have to condition yourself of understanding that money goes out the door. If it's not coming back in, it never comes back. So you cannot just lose it and just go spend everything and go to a new lifestyle that you're never used that you're not used to. You have to condition yourself, get yourself in um, physical, quote unquote, financial shape so that you would never make the mistake of going completely bunkers. Like, you know, I know we always think about, black people always think about MC Hammer in that situation when he came into all of that as far as his superstardom in his, um, in his music. And he decided he was going to save everybody. He was going to save the people in the neighborhood. He was hiring people for a guy on the street for $60,000 a year, and all this, dude, this guy was doing was standing next to him. Or he was standing at the door. He would hire somebody just to open the door. I, I get his, his sincerity. I get his his um philanthropy. You know, I get all of that. I appreciate that type of that type of heart a person has. But at the same time, he's not looking out for him and his family. And he wasn't physically financially fit to understand that that wasn't the best decision for him to do. Because once again, just like anything else, music and and, and career are very emotional, meaning they go up and down. So guess what? His music begins to go up, down. Then he's sampling, so he must pay out this. And everybody got their hand. So eventually he didn't know what else to do till he realized he was he was short. You know, he, he didn't I have anything you. established. So you have to prepare and get yourself in shape in order. So to keep the budget is the best way of keeping yourself in shape. Quick question for you. So when you say being financially in shape, right, you talk and you may mention that's a great example of MC Hammer. They said that he would hire all of his buddies to become dancers, to support what he was doing musically and why he was um, traveling, right, as he was being an entertainer, right? You're going to look out for people, right? We all have our circle of people who we consider um, and things of that nature that if, if something like that were to happen, I will always think of that person or they'll be brought along with me and things of that nature. But you mentioned something. I think that was a very key uh, thought and a very key idea. You said financially fit and financially Shape. What do you mean? What, what do you mean when you say that? Are you alluding to the whole educational piece and the whole educational process? Yes, I believe that. Because let's think about it. If you are somebody who has an addiction to food, or you've never eaten, and you are suddenly brought into a place where there is an abundance of food, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. You're going to start gobbling. If you're hungry, you've only you've only been used to giving two meals a day, and now you're in a place where you can have up to five or six meals or you had very little or you didn't have enough, 
you're going to get into this place. Your eyes are going to be bigger than your stomach, and you're going to begin to gobble and gobble and gobble and gobble and not think. It's like so. What happens is if you don't understand of of kind of you know staggering yourself and proportions and understand what you're doing and make sure that you're not just over exerting yourself and doing things and get we want to, we want to have fun we want to be able to buy things we want without thinking we like to go on vacation but the thing is is that we still have to realize is that we still have to be financially under we have to educate ourselves financially what we have know what we have pay attention to those who are educated that are taking that we are putting in authority of what i have having some type of education ourselves because we can't be ignorant and just make everybody else have the education we must be even though we're putting this person in charge of our funds we need to be just as educated as he is or she is so it's all about just making sure that you are physically as far as financially fit and understanding what's going on, so no surprises. So you just can't expect somebody who's never had to understand how to really get themselves without losing their mind because, of course, the first thing you're going to do is go buy the things you never wanted. No I mean, you always want to buy I, I agree wholeheartedly, uh, but to your point, uh, you can't. We we can't expect for someone who who never um, had that experience and know how to handle that experience. But certainly, that becomes the responsibility of the person who's living the experience. Because um, I mean, once it's I mean, once it's gone, it's it's gone. It's kind of it's kind of what you what you have to do at that particular point, right? I read from a book that says, "To whom much is." Given much is required, and part of that is now you have to take responsibility for um, what you're in possession of. Seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Folks, we're having a very, very important conversation. My estimation: many million dollar lottery winners go broke. Some say up to seventy percent. What could possibly go wrong? Seven zero eight. I'm coming to you right now. What say you? Hello, John. Yes, yes, yes. How you doing, kind sir? Hey, this is blessed, man. Hello to to yourself and all your guests. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for calling in. Appreciate you for checking in. What's on your mind, America's Coffee? We're talking money. Uh, what's what, what's taking what takes place in the mind of um, um, individuals who have this this kind of this sort of experience? Um, do you think we can look in judgment, or do you think this is a common occurrence? And um, um, how do you how do you process this? Well, I agree with what 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 everybody's saying. Everything starts in the mind, no matter what it is, whether we're dealing with with physical health, uh, financial health, and wealth, everything starts in the mind. And, and, and you take, for instance, you said um, she won so many millions of dollars uh, and she spent a half a million on a house. It's like that person who can afford, they can afford the Mercedes, but they can't, they can't afford what it costs to get the oil change or when there's some type of maintenance problem. So um, it, it, it's all uh, with the discipline and how we view uh, financial wealth and and um, and our discipline when it comes to money and uh, what you don't know uh, you just don't know and and it's unfortunate that with anything you know with lack of knowledge our people will perish and you could have those millions but it, it's how you view the the you know your financial situation your discipline and where your mind is where when it comes to the money. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I think you make um, an interesting point. But I would go as far as to say this, Les. Just because you can buy something doesn't necessarily mean that you can afford it. And what I mean by that is uh, oftentimes um, credit allows for us to do many things, and that's not – now, that wasn't this lady's situation. Obviously, if you're in possession of $10 million, you could – certainly you could – buy and afford a half a million dollar home but certainly there there must there there was, there was a gap in knowledge there was a gap in education that made it that did not make it possible for her to maintain what she was able to purchase so um oftentimes you know you know you see people they make major purchases and things of that nature but you can't they can't necessarily afford the maintenance and the upkeep well, yeah. so that yeah, probably right. means that you can't afford it Right. Well, you're, you're right. And if you think about it, uh, some of us are, are are people who think in the moment. At that moment, we say, you know what? I got $50 in my pocket. I love those pair of shoes. They're only $25. I have nothing else I need to purchase. I'm going to buy those shoes. And and the truth of the matter is um, when you when you have that kind of money, Yes, it's $10 million. It's a lot. But a half-million-dollar home uh, is going to require certain taxes, certain maintenance, uh, and, and any little surprise uh, could cost you to get in trouble with the IRS. Then there, then comes penalty, and then if you're not financially smart, uh, then you just start to plummet downhill. So you have to have that financial smarts to have the financial wealth. Not just having the money is not enough. Absolutely. Uh, having the money is certainly uh, not enough. There's a huge responsibility that comes uh, along with that, and I appreciate you for sharing that. 617, I'm coming to you now. What say you? We're talking money. We're talking instant gratification. What's on your mind? Hello. Are you with us? Not sure what's going on there, but certainly we'll um, try to get you back in. Folks, 718-508-9533, Stephanie, I'm listening to what Les had to say, and I think he makes some uh, great points. And um, the last thing I I heard him say in terms of um, uh, money, you know, it it, it takes a little bit more than money. There's some education that's associated with it. So um, uh, how important... Stephanie, um, and considering what Les had to say, how important is it to connect with the right people and have the right people in your circle or network when it comes down to building wealth and um, trying to hold on to wealth, if you will? Because I think association becomes critical in everything that we do. Uh, What's your thoughts about that? It's very important. Um, One thing I do understand is that um, regardless of what financial place you're in, regardless of what type of um, neighborhood you're in, people need to be open to be able to meet others that happen to have a different mindset. When you're around those who are just about being, quote-unquote, hood rich, well, guess what happens when your situation comes around and you win $10 million? You're going to have only individuals who's going to be thinking about hood rich, meaning, hey, let's go buy Escalade, who with a, a, a thousand, $10,000 sound system with turntables in the back, and let's not get it, let's not pay it off. Let's just get it where there's actually a, there's a, a, a note on that. Yeah, let's get a $200,000 house. That's great. You got a house, but hey, by the way, you could have just went ahead and bought that home. 
and just had the deed and just paid the taxes. Now, the thing is, is that those are individuals that don't necessarily have an understanding because of the education and lack of um, where they're from and no disrespect from where they're from, but most people are not open enough to meet others or be around those who can possibly give them that education or introduce them to that education. But it's like that. Or additional information. Right, or additional information, right, because that's that's all it is, is just additional information because I think oftentimes uh, what people fail to realize is that just as much, I mean, we can learn from, Everybody, and you can learn from anybody. Sometimes I, I, I hear smoke sometimes say that sometimes what you can learn from people is what not to do. You know, it's not so much as to, uh, you know, you're teaching me and I'm gathering from you um, what the right moves are, what the right books to read and things of that nature. Sometimes you can you can be around people, you can talk to people, you can listen to people, and you learn what not to do. And I think that's also important. And we also talk about, hey, I heard you mention you talk about hood rich. You know what? Um, and I, and, and that. That's not necessarily, and I know sometimes we say that and it's uh, a negative idea or a negative connotation associated with it, but there's people in neighborhoods, people in communities that have things that they can teach others, right? Because everyone gains something from their experience in life. And that's the reason why sometimes you can find some sisters and brothers that's from the hood, if you will. You put them in a corporate environment, and you know what? Some, to some degree, they might be a fish out of water when it comes down to speech, when it comes down to etiquette, when it comes down to dress and things of that nature. But when it comes down to the way their mind works, when it comes down to um, uh, understanding how money, um, the movement of money, um, they get that. But they only have the experience on their level. So it's not to say that people in certain um, conditions, in certain environments, don't have anything to offer or don't have anything by way of education. I often hear people say this, and I'll get back to you. I often hear people say that um, uh, being broke um, is is an event, but being I'm sorry, being broke is an event, but being poor is a condition. It's a condition, and oftentimes, I speak for me, you know, my family was broke. We weren't poor because I didn't know what poor was, you know. Uh, so we didn't have a family vacation and things of that nature, but every day. But when you talk about dignity, when you talk about pride, when you talk about resilience, my family had that. My family possessed that, and that taught me that although we might have been financially broke, meaning that we didn't have money, per se, uh, to take the family trips, to visit downtown, to to, um, the Goodman Theater and things of that nature. Um, They weren't poor. They weren't poor. Uh, Every day, even to this day, my mom, oftentimes she listens to the show, every day when she doesn't have anything to do, she gets up, she put on her her clothes, uh, she would call, she make up her face and things of that nature, and I never, ever saw her go out in public look in a certain kind of way. So when you talk about a mentality and when you talk about a condition, that's what we're talking about. And oftentimes we tend to think that money tends to answer all of our problems or money make us somebody that we're not. Money is not going to change who you are. It probably just change what you're able to do. But but you, you get what I'm saying by way, by way of that? I'm going to go to 617. 617, are you still with us? Hey, John, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Sound like my good friend, Shalanda. I certainly wanted to come back to you and get you in on the conversation here. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? 
Mm-hmm. I was just laughing with my husband because I heard you say that money can't change who you are. I actually believe that it can. Okay, talk to me. I, I truly do because, you know, I was hearing earlier what Stephanie was saying in total agreement, and then I heard about, you know, uh, MC Hammer and, you know, trying to help everybody around you, and he made some severe financial uh, decisions uh, that he ended up having to go bankrupt, having, what was it, like a 100-person entourage or something? And okay. you know, I wish somebody could actually go back and and check with all hundred of those people to see who actually managed their money properly. Because mm-hmm. out of those hundred people, it wouldn't surprise me because if they all came from the same, you know, conditions, they probably were not educated enough or even, you know, during that time it was all about image, having a fun and having a good time. Many of those people probably did not save, you know, save anything for a rainy day. You know, but okay. nowadays, you know, unfortunately, when people do, you know, either they win the money or they get into the entertainment industry or, you know, they get that one-hit wonder and become, you know, a rapper, everything about them change. You know, the people who they change, you know, who they hang with, um, you know, uh, they're able now to buy the things that they couldn't buy. You know, now their self-esteem has changed. You know, people having plastic surgery, you know, to enhance their appearance based on, you know, what mainstream dictates how you should look. See, you know, but here's what I would challenge you, Solana. Here's what I would challenge you, and I, and I hear you 100%. See, but I don't necessarily think that that that's someone that's making a, a an attempt to change their self-esteem, to change their sense of self-worth, but money can't do that. Money can't buy you that. You know, that's all superficial. We often hear, and I'll let you speak to this, we often hear that you can take the person out of a ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of a person, right? So we're talking about, so you can't necessarily just change, move someone, and put them in a different environment, or all of a sudden you give them money, and that change who John is. John is who he's going to be. So if he already have a certain mentality, all of a sudden he get this money, don't you think he's the same person with this mentality? He's just a little richer? Um, actually, John, I mean, at the end of the day, the reality of it is is that, you know, who you are, you control who you are, you know, and how, and your and your personality and things like that. And when people do get the opportunity to win money, you know, they want to improve who they are. You know, so therefore, you know, what's the saying, you know, oh, yeah, I got something new. Now I don't have the same friends. You know, it's not that same superficial nature that, you know, you had before. It's the fact that your level of thinking, you know, may have now changed because you don't want to be part of that particular group or that certain class anymore. You know, so now it may appear to your friends that you think you're better than anybody. You know, people who grow up in poverty and they struggle, you know, unfortunately, some of those people like that lifestyle. Others, when you pull that one individual who is like, I don't want to live like that, you know, even when you have the young ladies and the different ones who may have lived, you know, a certain way, once they've been in- introduced to a better way of living, some of those people like that, they love to have an opportunity and to change who they are because they're trying to become better people, you know, and sometimes when people do get those financial resources, some people do good with them and, and improve themselves and improve their lifestyles and, and improve their condition. So, therefore, money does have that effect. It's what you do with money and how you serve money, you know, uh, is, is the power that you give it. I don't know if you read an article recently about the young lady who had won, like, $10 million or $20 million or something. Yes, and she yeah, had that's about the one that, 
Yep, that's yeah. the one that we referred to earlier before you joined the conversation. If you could stay right there, Solana, but that's a great point, and that's actually what inspired this conversation, Dan. I appreciate you uh, for sharing that. But and we have roughly about five minutes left in the conversation, and if you could take 30 seconds to answer this question, I'm going to get less take on this as well as um, as, as well as Stephanie. Um, did your family talk to you and teach you about money, or was there too, or was there so little money to go around? The conversation didn't appear to be that um, that important, and uh, roughly about 30 to 60 seconds. I just want to see if that was a conversation that was taking place in your household. Are you still with me, Shalanda? Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. Could you repeat that real quick? Yep, yep, yeah. I just want to find out as quickly as you can. Did your family teach you about money, or was there too little money um, to go around to um, deem that conversation important? Uh, well, pretty much. Um, but mom, unfortunately, uh, did not teach us. We had to learn the hard way. But I will say this: my mom managed what she had. You know, uh, she, you know, was a single parent. You know, trying to raise two kids. And one thing I will say about my mom and give her credit for this is that. She truly managed her money. With little education that she had, she didn't like the struggle, but she didn't, you know, she paid her bills on time. You know, she, I didn't see, you know, red notices or anything like that, you know, but in watching that, I just didn't like the fact that we had to struggle so much. But I will I say it. that, you know, little things that she did do, she, she learned how to manage what she had. Everybody doesn't have that discipline. No doubt about it. So you kind of observed it, but that necess- it wasn't necessarily an uh, ongoing conversation. I appreciate that. Les, if you're still with me here, I want you to um, address that same question. How was, it, um, how was it growing up for you? Did you learn about money, the importance of money, how to grow money, the language of money um, in your household? Well, what I learned about money, I learned from my father because my mother was the homemaker. She took care of the seven kids. Uh, and thank God the lessons that I learned uh, from my father I do not carry into my life. Um, and I believe that I'm, a, I'm more successful than he was because my mom taught me values. Um, she she helped build character, and so I make good decisions about money only because of the man that I am, not about the lessons I learned about money. So and, I, and just in furtherance, I have to agree with Shalanda, I believe people have the choice to change who they are, and money is powerful. Don't make no mistake, money is powerful. It could make us a better person, or it can tear us down and destroy us. I appreciate that. Stephanie, uh, as quickly as you can, I want to find out from you, too, um, about that whole uh, – I want you to weigh in on that that same question if you're still with me. I have to uh, open up your mic again. Uh, what did, what was it like in your family? Did they teach you about money? Did you hear money being discussed in your household? Did your mom um, – talk to me a little bit. How, what was that like for you? Well, I was her only child, and I was raised just by my mom, but – um, one thing I did, I can respect about my mom as far as when it comes to, we didn't have necessarily discussions, but I do remember when my, I actually went to Catholic school pretty much all my life. And I remember as I got older, my mom would literally, every time there was tuition that would need to be paid, this is how I learned how to write a check. I would literally write the check out for my tuition. And she would see me and say, okay, look at the bank book and this is how much is in there. And this is how much your tuition is. Now I need you to take that money and I need you to put it in there. I need you to subtract from there and how much we have left. 
that's something I did learn. Now, the question is, did I possibly take that? And I took it with me, but did I learn? I'm learning as I go, and there's some things I, I kind of mess up on and things I'm still learning. But I do remember the importance of that part of my mom and how she was able to be able to take care of just me and also pay for me to go to school on her salary, which was not that much. And I was still able to travel, and she was still able to let me go places, and how she was able to budget that. So. I can say that was my lesson um, as I grow older and as I try to learn more to get back on my feet as far as those things, as far as money is concerned, I think of that, and that's what kind of propels me through. I appreciate that. Um, great input there. Les, I have um, at least 30 seconds for you, and I want to let you um, have a final word on today's conversation here. Um, certainly always good to hear from America's Coffee here. Um, Les, uh, do, do, do you think we can come into possession of money and opportunities prematurely? Uh, what, what, what's your take on that? I don't know if um I don't know if Les is still there if I lost him but um uh, Stephanie um, I don't, I don't know in 30 seconds what's the, what's the thought about that maybe maybe I lost Les uh, yeah I believe we lost him here do you think we could come into money and um opportunities prematurely Yes yes and no but yes in some cases depending on those who do not have an understanding of the importance and what the valuable tool it can be used as and what we can possibly do one thing i can respect about the young lady before you cut off is that she did put a trust aside for her children so at least her children are going to be okay so someone had to be in her ear to let her know that so one thing about money is it can be used as a harmful tool, but it also can be used to actually help build and help supply and do what we need. Appreciate you, appreciate you, appreciate you. Appreciate everyone for calling in today as we had a very important conversation. As always, remember to join us at www.m-tas.org. Folks, remember over 30 million Americans are currently at risk of losing their life insurance protection. If that is your situation, 773-881-9555 is the number to call. Reach me Monday through Friday. Remember, this hour is being brought to you by John Green and American Family Insurance. Join us online www.m-tas.org Folks, remember the community in which we live, the society in which we reside is a community and society that we create. I am responsible. You are responsible. We are able to respond. Until next week, continue to be good to yourselves and good to your family. Take care. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere where and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus